Thank you, Arjian. I'm so I'm actually really glad that he uh, read that through because it's such a dense passage. There is truth after truth after truth. So, you know, you've heard it once and you're going to hear it again because re- there is so much in there. And really unpacking over the next few moments what Adrian and what Paul writes there in, in Romans 8 of what it looks like to be living in and through the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit daily, day upon day, regularly living in and through the Spirit. So, well, first of all, the the eagle-eyed among you, and those that do know them, you'll notice that my parents are here this morning. Um, You know, when I did speak a few few weeks ago, they were mentioned a few times, so I'll leave it up to you if it's a coincidence that they're uh, here again to to hear what may or may not be, what may may not be be said. Um, there's, there's going to be a, an image just uh, coming up uh, behind me now, and you may have seen it uh, before in a few different uh, ways or, or forms, and it's called uh, Maslow's Hierarchy of, of Needs, and I can speak to it if... if uh, no worries. So, the Ma- so Ma- Maslow Hierarchy of Needs is a pyramid... Normally, it doesn't, I don't know why I'm saying this, it doesn't matter what colour it is, I'm colourblind, so I don't know, but it's normally different colours. And at the bottom, you have uh, physiological needs. So needs for, you know, uh, food, water, warmth, rest. And this was proposed back in the early 1940s, really to be speaking and saying that you really need to fulfil the, the bottom layer of the pyramid, so the red layer, before you can start going up start to fulfill safety, belonging, esteem, and then sort of really sort of pursuing your your goals. So it's a psychological theory that talks about sustaining your physiological needs first, then you work your way up. Now, this this was proposed in the early 1940s. Now, in 2022, it looks slightly different. Um, You know, if we were to get an updated version on the next slides, if you can see it, that Below the feeling of warmth and safety, you, you, you do need phone battery and Wi-Fi, and then you start thinking about you know, where you're going to be staying and what you're going to be uh, eating. Now, for me, one of my, I suppose, physiological needs is my inhaler. I'm, a, I'm an asthmatic. It's a lot better than it, what it was. You know, when I was, when I was younger and into teens, it was generally a couple of puffs in the morning, a couple of puffs at, at night even. But now it's, it's fairly sort of, you know, maybe just, I don't know, a puffer every two or three days. So that's progress. That's good. Um, but when I was younger, I, I was, wasn't the best, you know. I, I did forget to, to take it on, you know, a couple of days. You know, all my fault. You know, all my fault on me. They're here this morning. They're here. You know, so it's all on me. You know, that I that I that I did forget. But it would lead you. It would lead me to occasions, not kind of full blown asthma attack, but you know, feeling of really gasping for breath, really really tight in my chest, really gasping for for for, for my inhaler. Really, you know, self inflicted. You know, not regularly. Wasn't regularly taking it. Wasn't well controlled. Leaving me to literally gasp uh, for my inhaler, and I, I start to then think about certainly times spiritually where that that's certainly been the case, where I've been you know in a in a place of 
you know, gasping for his presence, gasping for, for, for uh, anointing or, or, or time with the Spirit or time of fellowship or, or worship, that many of you may, that may resonate of, of that word gasping, gasping for the presence of God, gasping for the Holy Spirit to, to come and be on you, gasping for fellowship and worship with the living God and with other Christians. You know, as the psalmist says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. But then I started to think, well, that can't be right, can it? That I use the Holy Spirit like a, a spiritual inhaler to be, to be puffed or to kind of, you know, just, just, just to sort of be seen as something to top me up or to, 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 to you know, left gasping or to get to a place where I'm gasping for that um, anointing or for, for, for that presence. And it can feel like we are in a bit of a cycle a cycle of being filled up with the Holy Spirit, but then after time, day-to-day life just starts to drain us, and it starts to come out, it starts to empty, and we get to a place again of needing to be filled up, and this cycle of filling and emptying. And I ask myself, you know, is that then what living in the Spirit is? Is that what walking in the Spirit is? Accepting that cycle of being filled up, day-to-day life emptying and emptying, and then being filled up again. And, and what is then really needed is discipline for us to ensure that we, as we are emptying, we get ourselves filled up and we, 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 we fill up so we're not left gasping like a, a, a wheezing asthmatic for his ventilin. But then... We're, not, we're treating in this Holy Spirit as, a, as an inhaler, but then we're treating ourselves as more like spiritual Duracell batteries that drain over time and need recharging. Is that what walking and living in the Spirit is then? That we're, we're, we're batteries of the Holy Spirit that start to empty, start to drain, and need to be filled up on a regular cycle. Well, <clears throat> the issue with that is... When we look at what we read in the New Testament of the Holy Spirit imparting in us, we read, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. When we are captured in that cycle, we're not temples, we're batteries that are draining and then need a filling and emptying and draining. How can we be temples, I ask? Temples of the Holy Spirit. And then following on in Ephesians, Paul says, you were marked with a seal when you believed and the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So Paul talks about a deposit, a deposit of the Holy Spirit in us as temples of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus speaks in the Gospel of John that he will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, the advocate being the Holy Spirit, to help you and be with you forever. So we see in those passages that 
We are viewed our bodies, our being as temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit deposited in us forever. And then it got me thinking again. So how, okay, so I certainly affirm to that experience of a cycle of, 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 of feeling a bit like that spiritual battery of, of impartation, of being filled up, of emptying and filling up again. But Paul so directly writes and, and, and affirmed and between Paul and, and, and Christ that we are seen to be temples of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is deposited in us. It doesn't leave, it doesn't fade, and it is in us forever. So, when I started to think of what does that look like, my mind straight away goes to individuals or people in history that we know of or that we're, we're, we've interacted with that are some sort of Zudo Christian Jedi or superhero. With, with daily outworkings and manifestations of the spirit and of, and of spiritual gifts pouring from every aspect of their life. Is that what it looks like? Is that, is that what you know, we, we should be setting ourselves against? You know, a Luke Skywalker type of spiritual Christianity in the way that the Holy Spirit manifests. Is that what day-to-day Holy Spirit impartation, filling, outworking looks like. Well, it's, it's certainly an aspiration. It's certainly a goal. Those spiritual fathers and mothers that have come before and are still with us today, that are every day taking steps where the spirit manifests and outworks and, is, and spiritual gifting just comes from every pore of their, their body and every part of their soul and mind is aligned pretty much as much as, as humanly possible to, to, to God's will and God's purpose. We know individuals and testimonies across the millennia of, of, of individuals that have, that have got close or getting close to that. But come on, let's. Is there some other approach, some other ways that that looks like? So we're not feeling that we're comparing ourselves to some spiritual heroes from history. What should and what could and what hopefully does that look like for us? <clears throat> so let's look at perfection to start with. Let's look at how Jesus modelled this. When he walked on the earth, how he modelled, how he could model to us what living through and living in the spirit looks like. And if you can, if you turn to Luke chapter 8 um, on your apps or <clears throat> in your Bibles, if you've got them to hand. And just as I, just as I speak over the next few minutes, just, just start reading, particularly the, the headings of the different sections within Luke chapter 8 and some of the initial verses of those, <clears throat> of those sections. And it, you know, regardless of translation, it will, it will be fairly similar in terms of the headings, so you'll find things there... Um, the parable of the sower, Jairus's daughter, uh, calming the storm, uh, the demon-possessed man with the demons going into pigs. It's, it's these types of accounts that we find in Luke chapter 8. And what really comes across, just as you're looking at those areas and those, those verses within those sections, first of all, that 
the fluidity in how Jesus moved, the, the, the ease of his decision-making and the way that he moved from place to place. There's, there's a real fluidity in those chapters where we read, you know, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, verse 1, verse 22, you know, let's just go over to the other side of, 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 of the lake. You know, <clears throat> there could have well been some level of schedule or planning, especially amongst the apostles and the, 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 wider, the, the wider group that followed with Jesus. But there's a, such a fluidity and ease of decision-making where Jesus just inherently knows where he is being led to, where he needs to be at the particular times, places, and interactions to be having. As you look through this as well, we can see that the types of people that Jesus surrounded himself by, the demon-possessed man who was shunned and rejected, was the first person that he met when he crossed the, sh- when he crossed the lake and got to shore. As he was going to Jairus' daughter, not being fazed by the, the, the swell of people that literally surrounded and grabbed him, and as someone grabbed him, he felt the power go from him, for the woman who suffered from, from ongoing bleeding. So the fluidity in the way that he moved and the plans that he had, the types of people that he surrounded himself in. And lastly, the intention that he had of time for prayer, for restoration, for quiet, for peace, for solace, that is well known across the Gospels, the amount of time that Jesus either took himself away or individually spent time with, the, with, with his father, praying, resting in, restoring mind, spirit, body and soul. And then we read in Luke chapter 8, literally he does this in the midst of a storm on the boat. The fluidity in how he moved, the types of people he interacted with and the quiet time and focus that he kept. That to me just really spoke around, when I look at Luke chapter 8, of someone completely in line as, as we would expect him to be, in line with the will of his Father and then for us, sort of how the Spirit is leading him in terms of the people he's interacting with, the places that he's going and the plans that he had. So first of all, what does that look like for us? Well, Jesus evidently made space. We sang that song around making room for, for you, making room for God. And I've always I've struggled a bit to kind of, with that line of, well, well, surely it, you know, every part of me should be for God. I shouldn't just make a little room for him. It should be the whole of me. But what, but what does that actually mean, making room, making space for God? Because it's something that Jesus showed just perfectly. Making space for the Holy Spirit to lead, to impart. Making space for the Holy Spirit to move and to manifest. It really means for, for God to override your plans with his purpose. It's making space for God to override your schedule with his plan and his purpose. And that, that can be difficult because we're very good. We're very good as a family at filling up white space on the calendar. You know, I, I re- we realised a couple of days ago that 
we haven't, we've got one free Saturday between now and the beginning of August. And we could easily fill it up. We could easily fill it up. But then I started to get really challenged with leave it empty. Literally leave space. Pray into that. Is the Spirit leading you to make an invitation to somebody that you normally wouldn't? To be in a place that you normally wouldn't? Or just to leave it empty and take a walk and just, 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 just take a prayer walk and see where uh, God is going to lead and the Spirit is directing you? Making space literally in your calendar. On a Sunday, not necessarily making plans every single Sunday afternoon or just be, having an expectation to make a connection, to have or offer an invitation. Expecting God to, to maybe lead somewhere or see you somewhere as a family or as an individual somewhere on a Sunday afternoon. What does making space mean for connect groups and prayer meetings? I'm not advocating that every hour prayer meeting turns into a three hour, you know, sort of uh, session. But making space for the Spirit to lead and to impart. Making space in your day to day. When you do a weekly shop at Tesco, allowing extra time for a faithful and a faithful interaction or conversation to happen. Or for a coffee to happen after. Making space for that. Making space for God to override your plan and schedule with his purpose and his divine will. We sang again, your way is better. That We're ultimately making space because we're affirming that his way, his will, his plan is better than what we may envisage the best way to spend a Saturday or to spend a Sunday afternoon. Now, I caveat this by saying there's got to be a bit of balance here, of course. We can't use this to escape our reality or to escape our given responsibilities. You know, if I said to my wife, Lisa, you know, between the hours of 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. every day, I'm making space for the Holy Spirit. I'm making space for God. That's not going to fly. So I can't do dinner time, bath time or bedtime, I'm making space for the Holy Spirit. Like, come on, like, that's, we've got to be a, <coughs> have some sense of realism in, the, in, the, in, in, in our responsibilities and in our, day, our lives. But where, <coughs> and I mentioned a few examples, can space and more importantly should space be made for the Holy Spirit to work, to move, to impart? Secondly, and it's particularly around opportunity. Christ gave himself dozens and dozens of opportunities because of the type of people and the situations and the conversations that he intentionally and purposefully led himself into and allowed himself to be a part of. He created opportunity for the Spirit to move. <clears throat> So just a few, I've got a few questions here around what that looks like, around making opportunity. So think about any given week, a standard week of your life. Now think about what people, what individuals, what type of people do you come into contact with and surround yourself with? In any given week, what conversations 
are you having? What are you hearing? What are you seeing in any given week? What type of places and situations are you finding yourself in? How many coincidences are you encountering in any given week? Now this, I hope, doesn't come as a heavy weight of, oh no. Now when I think about that, like I, it's... Uh, yeah, I don't have too many good answers to that. Because I personally, you know, I would have some difficult answers of the type of people. If I was comparing to what we see in Luke 8, of course, and of course, balanced by our own reality and our own life that of course needs to factor in. But it's a really important and tough question to ask. The, what opportunities are we able to give in the way that we just walk day to day in the situations that we get ourselves in the conversations that we open ourselves up to in the types of people and groups that we interact with what capacity do we have to change that and to make some steps to provide greater opportunity for the Holy Spirit to lead, move and impart And thirdly, Christ made time. He made time consistently in the Gospels to restore, to rejuvenate mind, body, spirit, to spend time with God, to really just rest in his presence. And this is something I've heard, and I'm sure many of us have heard dozens and dozens of times, about making time, making time for God, making time for our prayer life, making time for um, uh, our fellowship, making time in terms of reading the Bible, making time for inviting the Holy Spirit to, to impart and to speak. But I, I, it's really not about, it, <clears throat> it's not about time, it's about priority and importance. It's not about a lack of time. In my life, it's about a lack of priority. It's not about a lack of time. It's about a, a lack of importance. If I really want to do something that I care about, I'll find the time. I'll find the time. Of course I will. I've got three kids and I can find the time, I'm sure, to do something that I really... If I really want to do it, I will make the time. It is not... <clears throat> and I'll, I'm very frank. I don't, you can say how busy you are. But if it's as important enough to you, you will find the time. I will find the time. It is not about a lack of time. It's about a lack of importance, a lack of priority. And also, it's not a competition. It's not... I've had conversations with people who fixate on the time of day. And they'll live by that. No, no, early in the morning is is when, when it's best. An hour is what you need. Whereas I know people will say, look, I don't necessarily carve out an hour a day, but I'm constantly in God's presence, constantly interacting, constantly speaking in hour by hour, day by day. <clears throat> and I remember I was in a, when I was at um, Bible college for a time and we were put into prayer groups and prayer, meet, uh, prayer 
yeah, prayer groups um, for, for a weekly prayer meeting. And I don't know how we got matched up as such, but my prayer group was me and four um, middle-aged black Pentecostal women. And it was fantastic. Like, it was fantastic. I don't, know, I don't know whether I was just the odd one out, and they were like, oh, we've got to put him somewhere. And there's these four, really great group of four women. Oh, Matt can go with them. Like, I'm blessing that I'm, it was a great time. But I remember one week we were tasked with, look, really intentionally go after the spirit and anointing and, and spend time just not even speaking, not even speaking, but just, you know, just sitting in silence and, in, and, in, and um, you know, just, just, just uh, seeing what God wants to speak. And we get there to the, the, the prayer meeting after, and the first woman says, yeah, I spent, I spent an hour, an hour, um, and I was, my hands were up in worship. And, and another, another woman said, I, it was nearly two hours, I was on the floor, prone, with tears coming out of my eyes. And then another, the other woman said, she said, I, I, I took the whole afternoon off work. To the whole afternoon off work to press into God. And hallelujah, they had, like, God honoured that. But it's not a competition because I firmly believe God honoured, you know, I, I can't even remember. It wasn't an hour, <laughs> maybe half an hour. But God honoured that. God honoured that. It's not a competition here. God honours the, honors the time. The, more, the most important thing is that it becomes important to you. And it becomes habitual. When we think about making time for God, it's, it's so it's so much more around making it important and making it a priority than making time for it. Because as soon as it's important for you, you will find the time. And don't get hung up about 5am to 6am. Or, uh, you know, as I know for many, it does this happens and begins to happen continuously. How are we doing for time? Oh, we've got a bit of time left. I can carry on. Look, I thought I might have to skip the last bit. But look, you get... You get the... All right, we've got, we got a bit of time. We've got a bit of time. So, um, Arjian wonderfully looked, uh, read through Romans, uh, Romans 8. And, yeah, really, really wanted... Because it talks so wonderfully around um, the mind governed by the spirit. Um, those in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit. And Paul doesn't hold back. You know, if, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Those in the flesh, you cannot please God in the flesh. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation not to the flesh to live according to it, but to live according by the Spirit that put death the misdeeds of our body and that we will live. So I just want to end by, we're talking about how do we know that the Spirit is in us and leading us? How can we, how can we just visibly and, and just so certainly and what, what Anne brought as well about having that assurance and, and, and not believing lies or doubt that we're saved and part of that is, is, is affirming where we see the spirit leading in our lives and the leadership of the spirit in our lives and first of all the spirit leads us away 
from things. It leads us away from the flesh, from those things of the world, from fleshly desires, but not just those abundant carnal sins that we think about, about the flesh or about sinful nature, but it moves us away from trying to please God in our own strength, trying to serve this church in our own strength trying to attain our standing and status before God in our own strength. We know when the Spirit is leading us because we can see visibly our reliance, our trust in ever-increasing measure from glory to glory, being more in the Spirit, in the way that we go after God and, and, and look to fulfill our plan that he has on our lives and the way that we serve the church and the way that we, we have fellowship with one another. The Spirit leading our greater reliance on him rather than the flesh. It leads us away from pursuing ultimately those things that will not satisfy us, that will not restore us, and away ultimately from death. It, the Spirit leads us away from death in the flesh. So it leads us away and it leads us towards. It leads us to, ultimately, fulfillment and peace. It leads us to pleasing God, being able to please God, and a course and a direction aligned with his will and with his purpose. And most Wonderfully, it leads us to our standing before him. In verse 14, Paul, Paul says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Paul doesn't write, those who attend church regularly are the children of God. Those who read the Bible, who worship well, who tithe well, who commit well, who serve well, who, 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 who have good godly conversations, those are the children of God. Paul succinctly declares, those who are led by the Spirit are children of God and call that Abba Father. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. By the Spirit moving away and leading us towards it, is, it moves us and is a, is a blessed assurance and a reminder of our standing and status before God, that we are children of God. That should be, and really just to build upon what Anne brought, when you're thinking about doubt of where we're saved, or where God, how God views us, when you can clearly see the Spirit moving in you, when you can see the Spirit out working, when you can really see the Spirit leading in your plans and in your schedule, that itself is a wonderful example, a wonderful assurance that you are a child of God. When the Holy Spirit is moving in you, when you see the Spirit moving in others, it is a blessed reminder that we have a Father in heaven that we can call our own, that we have a spirit of adoption inside us for us to declare Abba Father. I invite just for a few moments the band just to lead us um, just in a time. It could be certainly just where you are, just things to be praying into, to be responding to. 
Lord, I just pray just as we uh, close in time of just response and, and, uh, and worship here. Lord, impress on our hearts where space can be made in our lives for your plan and for your will to override our own schedule and calendars. For your purpose, I pray, to override our own plans. Lord, I pray that we, in ever-increasing measure, can identify where we can make opportunity for conversation, for interaction, for, for divine connection to happen in ever-increasing measure. And I pray humbly and for myself as much as anybody that we not just look to make time but we increasingly understand the importance and the criticality of spending time with you and lord if uh, the people here anyone here who is in doubt of how you see them Anyone here endowed of their standing before God, may they for the first time declare you as Lord and Saviour. And for those that have done before, just may they know assured, blessed assurance that the Spirit moving and imparting in them is a wonderful reminder, a wonderful declaration that they are indeed a child of God. Lord, I pray for us as a congregation that we Get out of a cycle of filling up and emptying, out of a cycle of being spiritual batteries and become what Paul declares holy living temples for your Holy Spirit that has been depositing forever. We are a holy temple. We are children of a living God. And you desire this not just for the sake of it, but you desire so that we have life in peace and in abundance. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.